UK Motor Talk. Well, hello again, everyone. We are back for another podcast. So, I'm Mike. I'm here. I'm Jim. I'm there. I'm Graham. I'm here somewhere. And David is where? We don't know. He's, he's somewhere. He's out there with a bunch of men on the side of a riverbank, apparently. But I'm sure he'll come to that next time. Anyway, what have we been up to since the last time uh, that we spoke? I mean, Graham, the last time, in fact, we spoke, you'd been gallivanting around various different automotive events. And we had not. Are we still sore about that? No, I, I, oh, yes. my, my, only ga- my only gallivanting, well, I'll ignore that. My only gallivanting <laughs> in recent days seems to have in, involved hundreds and hundreds of miles of motorway driving. None of Fun. it enjoyable because the standard of driving is just abysmal and getting worse, not better. That was so bad that Graham actually snapped during that little uh, comment there. Just in case you're wondering what that noise was, it was just a noise of Graham breaking in two and just sheer anger me having a stroke i think with sheer anger <laughs> i got told off for clinking the ice around so i thought i'd go for a, a non-ice reliant beverage but <laughs> it comes in a can so that also makes a noise my apologies just in case you're wondering yes jim is that person that would sit next to you at the cinema and open a bag of doritos and eat it loudly so it turns out i absolutely would not uh right i guess we probably should get back to the, to the point did, uh, this did we week... have a point or yes since we last spoke then, I have injured myself, and I've injured you, Jim, haven't I? You were most upset about this the other day, and you kept wanging on about it. I didn't keep wanging on about it. I you just did. informed you that I would get you back at some point between just after the event, where you uh, caused me a considerable amount of pain, and sometime in the next six months. So just, just when you least expect it, vengeance will be mine. I'm expecting a industry standard tap on the balls or something to happen as a result of this. Uh, basically, we were driving along. I had the, the windows down. We were going along to a dual carriageway, so we're speeding up. I'd had my arm on the on the edge of the, the sort of door card. So did you, I thought. Uh, and, you, and you didn't. You had your arm over the window, which I then put up, which probably wouldn't be so much of a problem if you hadn't just had your jab and had been moaning all day about the fact your arm hurt or something and then had it got trapped in a window upside down. You were most displeased with this uh, and nearly tipped water all over me. It was a two-pronged attack, really. One was the fact that my arm was aching and I hadn't been banging on about it all day. I'd mentioned it twice when you asked how I was. So, But it's, it's nice to know that that's, you know, that's what you think when I respond to when you ask me how I am. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear that in mind for future conversations. But it was... Uh, <laughs> it had, jarred the arm up but also it got me right on the funny bone with with the edge of the glass so it was like a, a two-pronged attack really so it uh, it did hurt but i'll um yeah i'll i'll simply note that down when i do your next performance review and pay review at work how's that that sounds entirely uh, entirely um proportionate <laughs> doesn't it just uh- and I did injure myself, if it's any crumb of comfort to you, Jim. Retrospectively, yes, actually. <laughs> I've had to do the dreaded supercharger service on the Mini, um, which sounds relatively straightforward, but effectively means that you have to remove the front bumper, crash structure, the cooling package, which has the radiator and the air conditioning rad in it, with all the lights and stuff attached to that as well, the intercooler and everything attached to that, before you can get remotely close to it, at which point you have to remove everything from the throttle body and just basically strip the whole car back to the engine, um, including removing the alternator. So 
it's a nightmare when you realise that the boot has an electric pop and there's no other way to get into it, unless you remember to fold the seat down, of course. <laughs> but long, long story short, after doing all the things on the car, including the water pump and the supercharger bypass valve, and the thermostat, thermostat housing, and the, all the various different belt tensioners and bits and pieces that are attached to it, I had the belt under tension. And as it is, they're always incredibly tight. I had the, my full weight holding onto the bar when it decided it was going to let go, at which point I then head-butted the front of the Orion, uh, which was painful enough in itself, and then landed with my hand outstretched on top of uh, the sort of spikes that you put the sockets on, if you know what I mean. It's like a socket rail, and the spikes mm. go through the top. So they embedded themselves in my palm and then snapped off. So I now have four holes in my hand, uh, which looks like some sort of weird scarification thing that people like doing and i've got eight nine ten and eleven mil holes in the top of my hand which was incredibly painful uh, at which point i then was shouting for syria and it's, it's late at night by this point because obviously there's you can't do stuff during the day when it's nice and simple you have to do it at night time because that's the only time we have to do anything these days and uh, i'm shouting siri siri hey siri siri just just trying to get the phone to respond so it can call my other half and uh, bring out the, the alcohol wipes to remove the oil from my hands uh, and the blood which was at this point just soaking into my shorts from my knee and hand and everything else that I'd, I'd managed to land on. So quite battered, bruised and, and injured. Just so infuriating. So unbelievably infuriating. So there you go injured as a result of the car as as is the the custom i think i end up covered in in dirt and oil and mud constantly i've no idea where even this mud comes from but it always seems to be underneath one of my cars uh, and then with some holes in my hands so there you go if you're going to try working on your car don't send it to a garage and let them do it instead it's just better (laughs) there you go i'm done cars are dangerous things to be working under and they kill people all the time that are working under them I was working in front of it. I wasn't even under it. I was stood up at the time. Uh, see, I like the fact that, that you managed to headbutt and end up collapsed in a heap next to a car you weren't even working on. That's even more spectacular. Mm. The main question is, was yeah. the bumper of the onion okay? It was okay. I, that, that, I was more worried about That's that. Right. I did discover that I'd cut the back of my head when I hit the door frame of the garage as well. And, in fact, I'd forgotten to mention this... Uh, we came in, I had to clean up my, my hands and was rather, Amy was doing that was was making a sort of shopping face grimace, which is like, you know, there's the grimace emoji. Just to explain, whenever I go into a shop, I'm not very good with shops. I happen to involuntarily make that face. And it's it's sort of a, 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 a grimace which was originally supposed to be a smile to make itself look less threatening to everyone else. Um, doesn't work. For every, um, everyone trying to picture it at home, the uh, the scene in Terminator 2 where John young John Connor is trying to teach Arnie to smile, it's yes. very reminiscent of that. Yes, I, 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 I think you could, could well be right. But uh, nevertheless, we came in and I, I thought I'd probably broken my thumb because I couldn't bend it. My hand had swollen up and everything else because it had spikes stuck through it. And then all of a sudden... I just said, sorry, hold on a sec, I think I'm, I think I'm going to be sick. And then the vision just disappeared out the corner of my eyes. And it just went black, like someone just switched off a TV, an old-fashioned TV, pew, <laughs> down to the centre. Um, so, yeah, mild concussion to go with it, I think. Um, but I slept well, uh, which I'm sure is entirely the wrong thing to do. Um, and I, I seem to be fine now, hopefully, probably. Uh, there you go, dangerous. Don't work on cars unless you have to work on cars, in which case 
don't do what I did and headbutt another car. Park further away from your other car. I was going to say, for all the, uh, for all the mechanics listening, carry on yep. doing what you're doing, you're probably fine. Yes, that's it. There, there is no threat from me. Just as I suggested at the time, use a longer bar with a mate hanging on the end. Well, so they get hurt to the me. Well, no, no, no. They, they should be able to apply a more steady pressure. Oh, right. I see. You, you, yeah. need a, you need a six-foot-long bar for some of those. You want to try it on the Volvo. Oh, I thought you were going to say ah, six-foot-long no, mate. Is this when, uh, when we had the, the six-foot breaker bar and we're trying to get the wheel nuts off Brad, the Volvo? Oh, I'd forgotten about I'd this. Be hanging off the end of that, and then we heard a... <coughs> we thought, oh, was that it loosening? No, no, that was the bar breaking. Yes, we did. We genuinely broke the bar. We, we used our, our massive gun at work. And that was 300 and something newton metres, and it wouldn't shift the wheel bolt. It didn't shift the wheel bolt, but it wouldn't shift it at all. So after we'd exhausted the air tools, yeah, we must have had easily six-foot scaffold tube or something it was, wasn't it, over the top of the breaker. And you, yeah. you snapped my breaker bar in half. I did. Um, it literally in half. I've, I've never seen anything quite like it. It was a long one as well. It was like a two-and-a-bit-foot bar. There you go. Volvo's just indestructible, isn't it? I think, what, what did we decide then? As soon as that front left tyre wears out, that's it, the car's a write-off. Yeah, I never did take the wheel off before I sold it. No, fair enough. We'd have to take the car, tip the car over on the tyre machine and get them to take the tyre the off the rim whilst it's on the car and then put the car back on the ground, I think. I can't think of any other solution. Maybe To be fair, you're probably good. Balancing it would be a bit of an issue. There would be a lot of trial and error. There would be a lot, yeah. I, I think maybe... Have you, have you seen these videos where people spray like deodorant or something round round a tire rim or and then just set fire to it and the the, the, the tire pops on. I think that's yeah, what we would have to do. to do. Yeah. I think the four by four boys do it, don't they? They put lighter fluid round it and then just, poof, pop it back on. That that's what we would have to do. But who knows? I think I'm s i am hate to say it, I think Brad has been killed. It, uh, it went through the last MOT, I I didn't see it go through, so I think someone has killed my 270,000 mile Volvo, which is very upsetting. There you go. Or it just lives off-road now and it's being used as a, uh, as a farm vehicle or a, an earth mover. or Maybe it works in a quarry, sort of making that first impression into the side of a mountain to start to get the slate out. Yeah, I think that, in my mind, a worthy end would be being used as a battery ram on a, on a race circuit. Because nothing, nothing else would survive, would it? If you drove one of those at, at full pelt into the side of, I don't know, a Nissan Almira, if you remember those. We'd just cut <laughs> it in two, wouldn't it? The things in the news since we last spoke. Graham, you mentioned before that you had a Corolla in the past. I think it was a GT, wasn't it, your one? An AE86? Yeah, it was indeed. It was an 89 GTI 16. Have you seen how much one's just gone for at auction? I saw this story. £46,000 plus change, I think. For Ridiculous. An, was it an, an 86, I think it was, wasn't it? An 87. It's the same same year as me. <laughs> it's not as though it was a particularly low mileage. I think it was uh, 90000 on the clock, but one careful lady owner, as they say in the trade, with all the documentation to prove it, and... Uh, serviced by dealers every year so um, she spent a lot of money on it to keep it pristine apparently she absolutely loved the car had it serviced for the first nine years at toyota and it was keyed which was an uneconomical repair back in 2006 or something similar so it was bought back so it must be a write-off as well so that must be a category car 
surely. Yeah, it's a cat. Uh, it's a cat C. A cat C of forty six thousand pounds. I mean, everyone loves a skiddy Toyota. It's all relative, isn't it? I bought a, uh, a Mark One Golf years and years and years ago that had been a, uh, a cat C or a cat D, one of the two, and that uh, the the only damage on it was uh, a wing that had been repainted. Nothing behind the wing. No, nothing structural at all. Um, you could just tell that the, the wing had been repainted because it was the same colour as the rest of the car, but it was a lot shinier than the rest of the car. We've seen a few um, very cheap Partexes go through recently for two, three, four, five hundred quid, you know, older courses and bits and pieces like that. And you think, well, one day will they will they be worth that money if they're the last original one? You know, nobody would have said at the time that a, uh, a car like that would be worth such big money. But it is. It's just anything that's uh, that's rare and they're not making any of anymore. It uh, it goes up in value, doesn't it? Yeah, I certainly don't think they they made many of them. I've seen perhaps since the late eighties, no more than three or four, I would guess. So they are they are very rare. And certainly, uh, my wife and I looked at each other as it was driven away by somebody who travelled halfway across the country to buy it, uh, and sort of said, "I think we sold that too cheaply." But there we are. We had what we wanted, which was the money to buy a camper van. So uh, we mm. didn't do so badly out of it. But it certainly wasn't forty-six grand. I think this is the way the market's going, though, because if you look at the price of what happened to old Fords, so a lot of rusty, beaten-up cars that were probably eight or nine hundred quid back when I was buying lots of that kind of thing. Um, some of them were that cheap. You'd scrap the rest of the car because the interior was better or whatever. Take off the bits you need and get rid of the rest of the XR3. It's a sacrilege now. But the the Japanese market seems to have really, really caught up. I saw an Integra go through the auction. Um, and that went through for, I think it was a DC5. And it booked at about £5,500 its value. And it sold for 16 and a bit grand. Uh, it was a one-owner car. It wasn't the tidiest. One-owner car, full history. And so it's going to end up in someone's collection. But it's, it's crazy what people, people are starting to pay for these things. I mean, you, you look at cars that have become real cult classics because of the likes of Fast and Furious, you know, like the Supra, for example. Those have really, really taken off in recent years. Great looking car, decent, well built. I spent a lot of time working on a, on a particular Supra recently, replacing all the cooling system and uh, heater matrix and stuff. And I've got a lot more respect for it, having taken it to bits, apart from some some scratchy and uh, and brittle plastics that the engineering thing's pretty pretty brilliant. The other car like that's the Nissan Skyline, isn't it? It's hugely desirable. Yeah. And again for the same reason really. Money. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's fast and furious. Um the they again have they've absolutely climbed and climbed in value. Uh, the R34 particularly, which of course was the one from from the film, and then mm. the R33s and R32s have have more gradually increased in price and not to this, quite to the same extent. But the the A eighty six obviously really popular with um with, with the drifting scene, and I guess it's that that sort of cult hero in Japan and in the UK because they were cheap cars and you could slide them around. It's a bit like the old um, what were the old short hatchback Volvos, Graham? You know the everyone had one back in the nineties, rear wheel drive. People were buying them really cheaply and using them for skidding about. I'm sure it'll come for you guys. I know you'd be screaming now at me saying, "What's well, it's that one?" Obviously, P eighteen hundred. After no, that. they're they're incredibly desirable. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what it was, a two eighty or something. I can't remember. I did see a very nice B one two one up for auction. I can't remember what the figure was. But it just caught my eye recently. I thought, hmm, that's nice. You don't see too many of those. Mm. But I think the, I'm not, uh, 
don't know, actually, when uh, when you read the, the description of this Toyota, it was uh, back in 1987, it was £12,500. It's so a lot. N- not not a cheap car in 1987. They say it's that's the equivalent of thirty and a half thousand pounds today. So, actually, is I don't know. Is it is it that disproportionate? It's sort of thirty thousand pounds, and then you imagine what's been spent on it in servicing and repairs and this, that, the other over the years. It's probably not not that much of a, of an investment, isn't it? It's certainly not, you know, better than uh, than bitcoin or tesla shares or uh, certain other bits and pieces but um yeah 12 and a half gram for a car in 1987 sounds like a lot to me i guess a, an escort or ryan gear was about 10 and a, and a bit that sound of money and to put it into perspective well, so you've let me consult car. my ford price guide where are we 1987 let's see somehow oh, let's, let's, let's jim has just pulled these out of his backside where is this i have from? why have you got uh, this on your desk well why not indeed you never know when you'll need them. Uh, what did you say in Orion back in uh, an Orion January gear. 1987? Place an your Orion bets. I'm going to go ten one five six. No. Uh, let's let's go posh. Let's go sixteen hundred i gear with anti lock mm. brakes. Brackets five speed. So I don't know if that's five speed of anti locking brakes or not. Uh, total on the price of the price. You've got car tax, and then you've got VAT tax. Uh, nine thousand three hundred and fifty-two pounds and forty-two pence. Ooh. So yes, it was an expensive car, relatively speaking. It was a very expensive car. Third more expensive, near enough, isn't it? And for those of you interested in uh, perusing Ford price guides even more, there are plenty currently available on eBay for a, a very reasonable price. <laughs> and here's a word from our sponsor. <laughs> other auction sites are probably... Are they uh, still of course available. Are, are there any other auction sites online? Who knows? Well, probably carandclassic.co.uk, where we've been looking at the auction of a uh, Toyota AE86. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah. Sure. yeah, I think we 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 held the one that we we had for three years, and I think in that time, and it was well used, used to its fullest. Uh, and I think we had a light bulb go thrashed. That was, that was basically it. No, no, gently thrashed, gently thrashed with respect. But you know, we price matched it against the Honda of the day. The name of which escapes me just for a moment, as names do these days. Um, but the rear visibility of it was just about impossible, and we went for the for the Toyota. Money well spent. Would you pay forty six grand for one? No, <laughs> absolutely not. I think there's a lot of cars you can buy for that sort of money. There's another auction site with a sort of associated motor circuit. I'll let you work that one out, which has currently got part of Hammond's collection up for sale. Richard Hammond. Of Top Gear fame, and uh, some of those are with no reserve. So some of his collection of motorcycles and cars to fund a new business venture. I think it was a Bentley, there was a couple of rather nice 40s, 50s motorcycles. I can't remember if it was that details. I've, I've seen this, I'm just going to try and get the facts up so I can talk about what Richard Hammond is actually doing as his new business venture. Because he's doing a car restoration show, isn't he? He is. Here we go, Discovery Plus, blah, 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 blah. He did an old Jag, didn't he? I think it was a Mark II Jag, memory serves. Or rather, he didn't mm. do it. No, XK150. There you go. He had a couple of guys do for him. And I think kind of enjoyed that process and is now going to do a, a, sh- a show behind it. Yeah, it's unfortunate that there are any number of these shows now. He's just a bit late to the market, but hopefully he'll do it better uh, than some of the others. Uh, let's certainly hope so. And the XK150 that he did 
uh, one of my favourite all-time cars, I have to say, the coupe particularly, and particularly if you get the 3.4S, I think it is, which was the um, the ex Le Mans top of the engine, etc., etc. Very, very quick motor car. Mm. Oh, it's, it's a lovely-looking car, and I think it'd be quite an interesting business to have. I, th- I think it'd also be quite difficult to be able to make that pay, uh, unless you you can get the the clientele in who who are just happy to hand their credit card details over and say yes, just 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 do it for me, please. Um, it requires a lot of work to get a car to to that sort of standard. A lot of work. That said, I think do we all have that kind of inbuilt desire to to have a, a business like that? I think it would be quite exciting in many ways to work on something so beautiful. There are enough people that, that have both the desire and the money to fund that desire, which is why um, there are quite a number of businesses that are that are doing that and, and very, very specialised. I was talking to uh, a guy at Goodwood, yes, I'm sorry, I've mentioned it again, who's um, entirely restores uh, late 20s, early 30s Bentleys. And uh, Andrew and I know of another gentleman who only restores Bentleys before 1926. You know, they, these are incredible niche businesses where they're, 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 they're manufacturing or remanufacturing as many of the parts as they need to uh, bring you a, either a pristine vehicle the way it was or a pristine vehicle suitably resto-modded, as I believe they're now calling it. Uh, you know, upgrading everything so that to modern standards, but still looking for all intents and purposes, the same as it did in the 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. There's lots of people out there can afford to do that. Mm. You get used to the creature comforts, don't you? If you want to practically use a classic car, you either accept the fact that you're in for the probably slightly poor steering by comparison to modern stuff, being a bit hot and bothered when the weather's nice enough to actually drive the things by, because you haven't got air conditioning, unless you can take the roof off, at which point you kind of cook inside it, and having to plan how far back you're going to break. There are definitely modifications you can make to classic cars that make them a more viable prospect where you can take them out and enjoy them as a as as a car and experience rather than understanding you have to you have to otherwise accept the foibles and and enjoy enjoy the car as as it is they're just two different philosophies aren't they and the third way is to electrify that classic car and that's uh becoming increasingly popular electrification is another another route forward and, and definitely it, it's expensive now and it's it's going to get cheaper there's been question marks and there's rumors and all kinds flying around uh, flying around the internet that the likes of chevy are going to do um like they do a crate engine are going to do a crate ev conversion that you'll be able to drop into a car and and just as long as you've got the right mounts have the whole kit there ready to go and i think that's that's quite possibly the answer for a lot of stuff. And we've spoken about this at length as to whether we should or shouldn't do it, whether it's okay or not. And um, I think we largely decided that if it's something without a special engine, then then why not? Why not do something a bit different with it? I'd love to I'd love to stick a, a motor and some batteries in, in the Onion, which doesn't have a particularly special engine. It's not been built for the noise, but would be hilarious to be able to, to plug in, fill up with electricity and then, and then take off down the road and... Um, and absolutely fly along, and and there have been there have been other things that we've seen in the, in, in the news. Electric Cobra, for example. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, the the Cobra is one of those uh, quite often uh, kit card and replica card models, isn't it? You know, a, a mm. friend of mine has got a a friend of his's Cobra replica sat in his garage because he's got a big enough garage to store it in for him, and it's um yeah. I mean. <laughs> 
again, that is, is a replica. Obviously, is it the real thing? No. Is it acceptable? Some people would say no. But if it's a, if it's a case that you're never, ever, ever going to own one because they're, they're just so far out of reach or they're not making them or whatever it is, is a replica the next best thing as long as it looks the part and it brings you a bit of, uh, a bit of happiness then, well, is there anything wrong with it? Probably not. But yeah, it looks uh, it looks quite interesting because it's uh, it's certainly quick enough, you know, 0 to 60 in uh, in about four seconds. Not a huge range on it, 150 miles. But then most cars of that age or most cars like that never had a massively big fuel tank anyway, did they? So the range isn't uh, isn't too bad. But it's not like you're regularly going to be driving it hundreds of miles from uh, from Lands End to John O'Groats, is it? Well, something like a Cobra where you've got an open top. I mean, you, if you did 150 miles, you would be deaf by the time you got to where you needed to go, and you would have completely been blown, you know, blown to bits by the wind. So they're a fantastic experience, and there's nothing quite like it. In fact, a, a Cobra fixed my hearing when I had a problem with my hearing because it was so loud; it shook whatever it was that was broken in my ear back to where it needed to be. So I, I do owe my my hearing back in my left ear to uh, to a Cobra just because of the sheer noise of one uh, flying around a circuit. But nevertheless, it's it's not the kind of car you probably want to do more than 100 miles in in one go. I would say it's not like you've you've jumped into a, a Rolls or a Bentley or something where you're going to be wanting to waft along and do those those long distances. And I guess cars of that size, depending on on how you set it up, have more space to be able to fit a massive battery pack and and kind of suit being a long distance electric cruiser in fact something like a Rolls or a Bentley where the engine although always impressive and a decent size and incredibly smooth and everything else the purpose is smoothness and quietness in cars of that type so those really suit being an EV in my mind mm. yeah there's there's a school of thought that that uh, electrifying a, a Cobra is a heresy it's such an iconic car that it, it's got to be a loud V8 in there Mm. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I fully agree with that, but having driven a couple, the sensation is extraordinary. But it's it's a sensation that's actually quite difficult to explain to a modern young car owner. I found myself talking to somebody recently about um, uh, driving a C-Type Jaguar and found mm. I was having to explain what cross-ply tyres were, having described how vague they were. Why? So I had to explain that... Um, Tires aren't constructed like that anymore. They're completely differently. They're much more rigid, and uh, they're not the adventure that the C-type was. You know, every adventure. roundabout was a well. Every <laughs> roundabout was a serious challenge. I, I love the sound of. This. I mean, if you get the chance to drive a Cobra, absolutely do treat it with absolute respect. However, they are relatively lethal if you um, if you decide to pin it. Because there is nothing to help you out. It's just all the power no. goes to the back. And, and if you get it wrong, you end up facing the wrong way in some scenery. With an electric motor, that would be hilarious. Because you, the torque, instant power, you're going to be facing backwards, I should think, a lot of the time with the wheels still spinning and a lot of tyre smoke. Yeah, I exited a roundabout in uh, Chichester many years ago in a Mark IV Cobra, one of the 302s. Ooh. And I was... Uh, uh, pretty much backwards down the dual carriageway, having hit it far too hard in second. Mm. So I learned a lesson from that and treated it with a little more respect thereafter. Still yeah. great fun, mind. Definitely, Larry. I think be Larry with a with a motor as well. Something like a, a Cobra kit to answer your question, uh, Jim. There's there's definitely varying qualities of the kits of Cobras, and there are many many different types of fiberglass and this that and the other. I think done well. If it's not an original car, could you put an electric motor in it? Of course you could. I'd like the idea that maybe in the future there is a 
a, a modular platform that you can build a classic car onto and you 3D print whichever body you like. So if you decided you wanted a, a 250 GTO, why not? A DB4 or a DB6 or, or whatever classic you like and then just drop it over the top. I think I'd actually be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think what the curb weight and the you know the handling and the effect on the handling. I mean, the the uh, press release that came out talks about the uh, modern ride and handling and keeping the uh, the weight down of the car to make sure that that everything is worthy of the Cobra name. I mean, I, will it or can it handle as well? I I don't know. I think from from the original design to now, with modern everything, and even though it's uh, it's probably gone up in weight. Is it, will it handle better? I suppose it might do. But will it quite feel the same? That's the, you know, electric cars are heavy, battery packs are heavy. Will it be quite as pin sharp, you know, or will it just lose something with that extra weight? You know, the, the Mackie that we've been smoking around in for the last month or so, it uh, it certainly handles very well, then it goes very well, and it's a wonderful car to drive, but it's not the sharpest car in the box because... No. You, it's got a lot of weight behind it, and you can feel it. You know, is it better than um, than a petrol or diesel SUV of that size? Undoubtedly, is it one of the best vehicles of of that size when it comes to handling and adjustability? Probably, but how much better would it be if it was, you know, lower and coupe like? And then, how much yep. better would the V eight version of uh, of that lowered coupe version? B, it's it's kind of hard to tell, and I think unless you drive the two back to back on uh, on the same track or the same bit of road on the same day, I, I think they'll just lose something in that that feel and that fizz. But I think the the, the noise is uh, is a generational thing. You know, we we all appreciate the noise of a, of a good V engine or a supercharger or a turbocharger or things like that. But mm. that'll slowly but surely disappear. You know, with with our kids' generation, they'll just grow up thinking cars shouldn't make a noise, so it won't bother them. But it's a bit like when you get back in a car with uh, with no power steering at all. You know, it's it's a delight to get back in a car with hydraulic power assisted steering as opposed to electric power assisted steering yeah, definitely and then it's even nicer to get back into a car with no power assisted steering so do you try to but it's, it, yeah <laughs> well yeah but it's yeah. uh it's it's all relative isn't it but of course you know how much of your journey do you spend parking well yeah only the last 10 seconds of it so does parking really matter <laughs> probably not i think the sound i have an analogy for this if you watch an old film generally speaking they didn't have an in-depth soundtrack or score that ran underneath the whole movie if you watch any modern movie and just just listen to it there's always some sort of background music happening building tension you know, you know when someone's about to stab somebody or whatever because you have that build up if you watch any of these films a scary film for example turn the sound off it's it, it's just lost there's no you don't feel the drama you don't you, know, you can see what's happening on screen but you just you just I'm massively desensitised to it. That was an Eddie Izzard sketch, wasn't it? You know, all the, all these people uh, in in a lake, in you know, cabin by a lake in the middle of the woods. Oh, let's go for a walk, and then you get to this fork in the road. Where should we go? Left or right? You put one foot down the left path, and it goes dunna. Oh, <laughs> take another step, dunna. Oh, I don't think we're like. Try the right path. Oh, let's go that way then. So that's a that's a clue. Listen for the music. I, yeah. I'm just wondering what the uh, when they do the all electric remake of Bullet, what that's going to sound like, and will it be just as challenging? A lot of whining noise and tire smoke. To be fair, I think that the main noise it's a 
I think it was quite warm when they filmed that, wasn't it? So to be fair, I think that the noise will mainly be electric aircon compressors. Because the Can noise you... those oh, blooming God, things make is, is yeah. absolutely insane. I mean, we were chatting about this today and we thought, that is it is it just because they they have to run on electrics and they're that loud rather than off a belt really loud. with the engine? They're insane. An engine is loud. quieter than, than, than the noise they make. But more to the point, Bullet, yeah. can you imagine you're thundering down in an EV and as you're, you're bombing down the road, they take that jump over the top. It'd just be the sound of a battery smacking <laughs> into the tarmac as, it, as they thud along. Lithium iron everywhere. Far too heavy to be jumping about. But I, I, the, point, the point I was trying to make is that you, you lose that drama which you get with the sound. And you can be in a relatively slow car and it has a, a fantastic sound say relatively slow, slow compared to an electric car, perhaps. So something maybe from, I don't know, the 60s, which even a fast 60s car isn't really fast by modern standards. In fact, even 80s stuff, if you look at a, a Countach or something, it's slower than a, a Focus RS or an Audi S3 or, a, you know, an AMG A45 are all much faster. Hatchbacks are quicker than a supercar oh, yeah, from see, the what, 80s. One, of, one of the last tuned 80s car that I drove was a, a G-registered Metro. 1.3 injection and uh yeah that that had a loud exhaust and a, and a drilled air box on it but it was the most amazing car because you you put your foot down and it made loads and loads of noise and there was loads and loads of drama but it never went any faster it was, it was the most bizarre thing you floored it in second gear at 30 miles an hour and the noise got deafening and then you looked down and you were doing 30 miles an hour it was wonderful <laughs> but the joy the joy in evs isn't the sound is it uh, I mean, and to a certain extent, no. are there one trick pony? You put your foot down, everyone goes back in the seat and goes, Jesus, or something when you put your foot down because they are that quick off the line. And it's that, that initial naught to 40, not even naught to anything else, that initial shove where you are pretty much quicker than anything else. If you're in a electric Mini, you're probably going faster than, than a, you know, a decent BMW M car in the naught to 40 bit. As soon as you get to 40, of course, everything else walks away. Jim's quite right. It's very much a generational thing, the appreciation of the noise. I mean, I, I, I grew up with, with sort of V8s and uh, American cars and, and so on and so on. And, you know, I still get a, a, a buzz. But then I'm not of the generation that, that was around when Spitfires filled the skies. Nevertheless, I get a buzz out of hearing a Spitfire. And it has the same effect on, on a lot of people of my generation mm. that never heard one used in anger. You know, I'm not that old. It's just a fabulous mechanical noise. I know what you mean. And I always think I'm maybe a bit weird because of this, but I, I almost feel a bit emotional with, with the sound of stuff like that coming over, especially if you have several of them. And when they have a memorial flight where you have you know, a Spitfire Hurricane, Lancaster, and then they have a few... And I, I, I've seen, I wouldn't say it's a squadron of Spitfires fly, but I've seen a lot fly together. And that the noise that you get, and you might have had this if you've been driving along with your mates. I did, had this in a, an Escort Cosworth some years ago. We all had Cosworths next to each other. And you get this sort of like weird pulsing noise where the engines sort of harmonise. And uh, yeah, God, it, it keeps me square on in the feels and, and i feel really emotional with stuff like that i really do and you think this is this is something it, it represents a lot of things and yes i appreciate there's a lot of emotion relating to that and what it did and, and i know that there's a whole group of people that like to fetishize how wonderful the war is and that kind of nonsense but as a as a, as a machine as a machine i i, you know, I appreciate it. beautiful beautiful plane but the same with certain jets and things the, the noise the you know the the sound the, the achievement of of what we've 
what we've had and produced and it, it, there is something about it that that i i really really appreciate and i will be very sad when the noise does go but that said and we've said it many times before we are moving to a point where you can drive something electric during the week or whatever and yes yeah the, the, as i've said the pleasure from that lies in in other ways you know making it move so quickly or silently or if you're that way inclined hypermiling the thing and then at the weekend when you get to drive something that does make a, a great noise to my mind it, it kind of makes it a bit more special and i think you possibly find this jim when you jump from driving a car uh, any any normal car that we drive on a day-to-day basis modern stuff into the fist which is not the last word in refinement you probably wouldn't want to do a lot of miles in it and uh, well you will be but nevertheless there's something really refreshing about pointing that a, a very lightweight not particularly high-powered car down a country road and just having it in inverted commas yeah see there's you know good good though the uh the mustang Mackey is as a uh, as a car and and good all this modern stuff is every Before time you drive the you? fiesta i'm i'm just more and more reminded of of how it's one of my most favoritest cars ever i think mm. uh although sort of based on the uh the results of the corolla auction is is it going to be are we really going to regret ripping the interior out and abusing it like we did because uh there aren't many of those left around and they are starting to creep up in value as well it was so a I, nice one as well wasn't it it was it was a very nice one almost yeah. completely rust free i mean it's it's certainly rot free there's the odd tiny little bubble just in the the spare wheel well or the rear of the car etc just really teeny Underneath, tiny surface though. bits yeah. but it's a mega mega solid car isn't it so yeah i'm not uh, i'm not quite and sure sort spec. of look at photos and think oh yeah uh, maybe we shouldn't have done that to that one but i think for the uh, the joy it's given us and the fun it's given us over the last couple of years for the amount of money that we've invested in it i think that's been pretty good value to be honest mm, definitely has been uh, and certainly people were doing this to xr2s weren't they if- and uh, yeah, Graham, you might remember various different race series from XR2, but people were, people were doing these up until even relatively recently, gutting them and, and firing them off around the track. And, and now, again, they're worth a serious chunk of change. You think, they're, they're, would they have been too nice to have stripped down and stuck a cage in and cut bits of the, the wiring loom out? Who knows? Well, I'd, I'd, it would would have been a shame but i mean i i i appreciated the one that i rolled at brands that had got a cage in <laughs> well that was in a charity race but i was just trying a little too hard coming out of uh you, you there's uh, got uh, to be more of this story can't you got you've got to tell us now what what i know it's, uh, you I, I going back a, this sex, I a, a very long time it was a charity race i was invited they were all semi-race prepared xr2s uh oh, we mustn't forget the i must be xr2i um, and uh, I think about lap three, I think that was a long time ago now, I, I managed to um, get a wheel on the grass trying to overtake somebody and, and managed to flip it, which, um, yeah, they, it, it ran all right afterwards. They got it running again. So not too much damage. A friend of mine did that, and he had a Fiesta SI. I remember it was his birthday, and we were at Silverstone, and he flipped his Fiesta, and he put his head through the sunroof, and his, his helmet... His helmet dragged through the gravel trap, and it was it was back when we if you went on a track day and you didn't have a helmet, they would lend you one. I don't know if they still do that or not, um, but they gave it to him, wrote "Happy Birthday" aid on the side of it. But he was very very lucky. The roof had sort of if you imagine like the the McDonald's logo, the golden arches, where it sort of pinned down in the middle. That's what the roof of his car looked like. It, he he completely destroyed it. 
But I'm, I'm assuming that that was not caged, and, and this one it was at least. No. Oh, it had a rudimentary no, no. cage in it, a roll hoop, basically. No, it was just, just a little fiesta. I can't even remember what happened. I think he somehow managed to get a wheel in the gravel trap, uh, and that was enough, and it flipped it. Um, mm. you, you forget how, quite how grippy that stuff is if you're unfortunate enough to find yourself in the kitty litter. Yeah, I think, yeah if, uh, if you're heading off into the gravel, go into it straight. Yes, it's, it's counterintuitive, mm. but the gravel will slow you down. So don't worry about aiming straight for the barrier. Just make sure you're going straight when you go into it. Yes, you don't want to start turning because then you dig and, and flip. You still find uh, steep hills with a big gravel trap at the bottom to stop the trucks. You do? Have, uh, but I'm wise to go down. I know there's one at Eastine near Eastbourne, which is a very steep There hill. is. And yeah, it does regularly is. collect an Arctic or two. I uh, I went into one of those in a uh, in a... Ford Ranger part exchange once just to see what happened and, uh, and it makes a lot of noise when you go into it I can confirm that <laughs> mm. it brings you up pretty sharp though doesn't it it did it did definitely got out of it all right though it was fine but yeah it was it was, it was a shock if I was going to do it again I wouldn't go in quite so quick to be honest they're but. quite deep aren't mm-hmm. they those gravel traps yeah very yeah. I'd forgotten about the one near Eastbourne Well, maybe it's time we uh, we throw this podcast into the gravel trap at the bottom of the hill and, uh, and guide it towards the end. Cause it's getting late for Graham, and he uh, I think he needs some uh, some liquid replenishment. He needs some dinner to go with the liquid <laughs> replenishment. I try not to separate the two. And speaking of the fist, we are doing a long distance haul in that thing, or rather, probably likely that you will be, because undoubtedly I will be driving uh, Amy's car, my wife's car, which we just refer to as Thunderbird Two now because. No one can remember what it's actually called, but you that means you'll be driving the fist to Donington. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a trap. I mean, it's going to be what three, three and a bit hours in the car, isn't it? So I think I'll, uh, I think I'll bring a cushion to chuck in the bottom of the seat just to make it a little bit more comfortable. Yes, but actually, I, I mean, we've got a we've got a lumbar cushion that we never really use, haven't we? So I could fit that as well, just for added luxury. We did a, a navigational rally in this car, and you ended up with a dislocated anus. So, well, it was already the, partially dislocated, and then, yeah, the uh, the bumpy roads of leafy Surrey just made it that little bit worse. It, it did. So uh, there, there is a danger here that by the time we arrive, you, you might be ruined. Quite possibly. Anywho, so we are off to Donington with the fist, which both of us are looking forward to. We'll be heading up in uh, in two weeks' time on a Tuesday evening, won't we? So, uh, so the Fortnite's podcast might be uh, slightly delayed or... Uh, Maybe recorded separately, maybe gates from uh, inside the Atecarona Reac via the medium of Bluetooth, which will probably be wonderfully and nicely produced, and, uh, and I think my audio ever so slightly less so if I uh, try and Bluetooth it through the Fiesta with no sound deadening in it, but we'll, uh, we'll yeah. see how we get on. Well, every time I speak to you and you're driving the Fist, it sounds like you're being dragged along by your face, just with a cloud of vape going... Like Darth Vader or something. Hmm. Well, I've generally always got the window open. To be fair, in the car, because I like uh, I like the fresh air to circulate. So um, yeah, that's probably yeah. something to do with it as well. Plus that that really weird supercharger noise that it gets at sort of high RPMs above seventy miles an hour that we still can't yeah, work weird, out that. where it comes from. It's very weird. Not a clue. So- something happens. But it sounds good. It does. So assuming that we survive and the car survives, we will see you next time and be able to tell you a little bit about that. So if you happen to be out driving on Tuesday night or Wednesday and you see um, the fist and Jim or Jim and his fist come flying past you, then uh, then give us a shout and a cheery wave and uh, some sort of gesture so we know it's you. Until then, though, guys, I think it's probably time we better say goodbye. So from me, Mike, 
it's goodbye. From me, Jim, it's goodbye. See you next time. And from me, Graham, it's goodbye. Take good care. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.